You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today marks part two of a series I did with Destin Sandlin, or Smarter Every Day. In the first episode, we talked about what it's like being a mechanical engineer. And today, we're talking about what it's like becoming a YouTuber. Um, As you probably know, Destin has a YouTube channel with over 6 million subscribers now, I believe. And he's one of the biggest educational YouTube channels out there. So I talked to Destin about what it's like running a YouTube channel so big with a sizable audience, what the business aspect of it is like, what the marketing is like for a YouTube channel, and just a lot of behind the scenes stuff about what it's like becoming a YouTuber and what's the stuff that you don't see behind the scenes, what you don't see on the screen when you're actually watching the video. And it was a great conversation. I can't thank Destin enough for doing this interview because I know he's super busy, but he still took the time out of his day to talk to me. And he was one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. Just a wonderful person. And I still am like kind of mind blown about how, you know, how nice he was and also how willing he was to talk to me, even though he was super busy. And I can't thank him enough for that. But now it's time for the interview, and I hope that you learn a little bit about what it's like becoming a YouTuber. To set up a little bit of context so you're in the loop when this episode starts, Destin actually told me in the first part of this to start learning how to drive and do all my driving stuff so I can get all that figured out. So right after, I actually finished my driver's ed and I passed my driver's test, and now I'm telling him about it. So this is a little bit of context before we begin the interview. I passed my driver's test, my driver's written test, I got my permit, and now I have to practice 50 hours with a parent, and then I can drive. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So you got your, you got your permit. Yeah. How, how did you do it? I, well, I had to do driver's ed first. So right after our conversation, like the very next day, I just spent the whole day on driver's ed, and then... I just studied, like, I just kept doing, like, practice driving tests, and I went on, like, Quizlet and stuff like that, and did, like, questions that would, might be on the driving test, and then I just studied really hard, and I passed. Congratulations. So, have you actually driven yet? Physically driven? Nope. (laughs) Okay, so so that's the next step, right? Yep, that's the next step. Gotcha. What, What are your plans for that? Um probably just work with uh, my dad or something and then maybe do like a driving test like a class or something with a teacher or something like that does your dad drive yeah my dad drives oh yeah he'll teach you he'd love to teach you yeah so have you mentioned it to him yet oh yeah i told him already he said he's down that's awesome man congratulations you're about to be a driver (laughs) thanks (laughs) i'm excited yeah It was in part thanks to you because you kind of motivated me to do it. Happy to help, man. That's awesome. (laughs) So last time we talked about what it's like being a mechanical engineer. And this time we're talking about what it's like running a YouTube channel. And yeah, because I know a lot of teenagers that want to make YouTube videos and want to make a YouTube channel and you have a lot of experience from doing so and you've gained a very sizable audience from doing so 
you have a lot of experience in this and I think you could answer a lot of questions that people have about what it's like being a YouTuber. And we can get started. All right. All right. So first question is, what is your job title? What is my job title? I guess in this case, for this episode, you'd like me to say YouTuber, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do multiple things, but for the context of this episode, I'm a YouTuber. Yeah. So what would you say your job description is for being a YouTuber? Like, what do you do? Oh, man. Um, that's kind of difficult. There's so many things that go into it. So, you know, essentially I capture video of things that I find interesting, and I try to communicate those things to an audience. And, um, and that involves editing, that involves uh, being a cameraman, it involves telling a story, sometimes it involves writing, uh, it involves uh, interacting with other people and making sure that you're going to present them fairly on video. And my, my goal is to be very diplomatic in how I interact with other people so that whoever I make a video with, they, they always enjoy the process and they never want to, uh, like, take anything down that we make you know so I, I want everything that I make to be something I'm proud of so you know that that's a that's a component of it that that's a that, that's something I strive to so you, you have to just learn how to interact with people and then have to, how to communicate very clearly so specifically what I do I, I do educational stuff for my YouTube channel called smarter every day and my goal is to understand complex topics and boil those down to uh a digestible form so that I can, you know, help other people learn the things that I'm learning. Yeah. So did you always know from an early age that you wanted to help people with education, but you just like didn't know the outlet to do so? You know, um, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I think the first time I ever recorded a video about educational stuff, I actually saw the video yesterday no on sunday i saw the videos a couple days ago recording this on a tuesday so i found a video from me and a buddy of mine named steve-o doing a science uh it's called science olympiad and we were creating this device called a rube goldberg i don't know if you've ever heard of that it's like a complex device that accomplishes a simple task and um we turned a video camera on to explain some of what we were doing and it was really interesting because I kind of went to this teacher voice that I, you know, some people joke with me that I have. I, I went to this teacher <laughs> voice while I was explaining uh -huh. what I was doing. It, it was it was really interesting. And uh -huh. um, so it was definitely in there, but I didn't know uh, YouTube wasn't even a thing, right? Um, I think it yeah. was made in 2005. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. The very first video of me on YouTube was on another guy's channel. He was introducing me to this thing called YouTube. And it was, uh, we were doing the Diet Coke and Mentos thing. And we were talking uh -huh. about how it worked. But it was just, you know, guys goofing around in a driveway. Uh huh. And so we recorded that. And it was really interesting. And then I realized, man, you can, you can just put anything you want on here. So um, I was working on this thing at work with uh, rockets flying down a rope. And um, I was trying to understand how it worked. And so I made a video. The first video on my channel is how to light a bonfire with rockets. And it involves firing uh, these little fireworks down a string. And uh, it was fascinating. 
um, wow. you know, th- what took off from there. I, wow. I was just trying to do something to share an interesting method with some of my friends, and wow. a lot of people thought it was interesting. And so I remember when that video got 100,000 views, and that was wow, mind-blowing, yeah. So to what point did you keep making these videos and realize that you could start making money out of it? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. There was a, there were two moments that there were two moments that happened. Number one, I was on the other side of this wall in the room that I'm sitting in. There's a bathroom, and uh, I was taking a shower in the bathroom, and um, I I call it the strawberry shampoo moment. This was you gotta understand. This is before YouTube was monetized or anything like that. But I was washing my hair with strawberry shampoo. And um, my wife was uh, brushing her teeth in the bathroom. And I said, I got it. And she said, what? I said, we're going to use this goofy YouTube thing I'm doing. And we're going to figure out how to pay for the kid's college education like that. Wow. And she's like, that's (laughs) nice, honey. That's nice, honey. I'm like, no, seriously, I think it'll work. And she's like, how? And I said, I have no idea, but there's something here. And um, my dad when I went to engineering school, he asked me to get a business minor and I took marketing classes and accounting classes and stuff like that. And, um, he said, you know, I I want you to, I want you to try to get a business minor just so you understand how things work. And so I did. And at the time I was making things on YouTube under the name Penny Whistle Productions. And I was like, you know, that's, that's an interesting name, but it, as far as marketing a brand, there's, there's no value there to the viewer. So I decided to change the name to something that did have value to the viewer and that's smarter every day. And so the reason we chose that brand name is because I was like, you know, it makes sense because if it's smarter every day, that that's kind of what I want to do. I want to get smarter every day if I can. And I also want to help other people, you know, encourage them to learn. And so you instantly understand that by the name Smarter Every Day. So I decided on a brand name. And even though I started making videos under the name Penny Whistle Productions in 2007, in 2011, I was like, okay, let's get for realsies. And I started making videos called Smarter Every Day. Wow. And that's where it started. Wow. Yep. So at that point, was YouTube monetizable when you started making videos under Smarter Every Day? No, not at all. No. Wow. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't monetizable, and I had no idea what it was going to be turn into at that time it was all about developing a personal brand Uh and um i decided to do that and and i started making these smarter everyday videos and one video that i had made before i started smarter everyday was this video called chicken head tracking um there was this guy that um he worked for google at the time he had made a, a a a type of uh it was weird he he made a a camera that you could well how to explain this okay so you know the Wii so a Nintendo Wii controller has an infrared camera in the front of it and it has the ability to track things in three dimensional space and so the the way the Wii works is you put this little light bar up on the TV and the Wii controller can you know see where it's moving and stuff like that what he did is he put a Wii remote controller on his glasses and he could create three-dimensional head tracking. So if you could track your head and you could change the perspective of objects on the screen as if your head was seeing them move in three-dimensional space, I know this is getting kind of in the weeds, 
he um yeah so, so so he made a video that looked like uh bullets or not bullets like targets that as you moved your head the screen would change and so it looked like you were interacting with a 3D world which was really fascinating it was like a precursor to vulture, uh, to virtual reality and so um as he did that i i created a video called chicken chicken head tracking and the idea with the chicken head tracking video is that chickens do something similar but backwards they track their heads optically like they know where their heads are in space because of what the room looks like around them unlike me, me and you you know we can move our eyes around and all that kind of stuff no big deal chickens don't really move their eyes like we do it's a super complex thing called the vestibulo-ocular reflex that has to do with your ear and your eyes and all that stuff. But anyway, um, so I made this video called Chicken Head Tracking, and I was trying to teach people about how chickens work, and that was the first video I ever had that went viral. And that was really the moment that I was like, okay, it's time to change mm-hmm. over to Smarter Every wow. Day. And that's that's what I did. Wow. So in the, at that time in YouTube... Was there a lot of people doing what you were doing, or were you like kind of one of a kind? There were a few of us trying to make educational content on YouTube. Not many. Um, some of the early early adopters were a, a guy named Hen- Henry from Minute Physics. There was another guy named Derek uh, from Veritasium, Derek Muller. And so those are some of the first connections I made on YouTube. And, and we started interacting with each other and talking about how everything worked and and we even did some early collaborations we didn't really understand what that was but we started trying to do collaborations um i was experimenting with weird things like at the end of my videos i i put a bunch of my other videos so like it i it was like an end screen i called it so i would make a video and then at the very end of the video i would pop up like six of my other videos and um I got a call early on from YouTube. It was interesting. They said, hey, what are you doing at the end of your videos? And I said, oh, I'm I'm trying to get people to look at my other videos. I'm trying to get them interested in them. And they're like, well, what's your, like, what's your strategy there? And so they started talking to me about how I was doing end screens. And it wasn't long after that, YouTube started popping what? up um, end screens on YouTube player. Yeah, it's really interesting. So you were the one that started those end screen videos where people show their video like thumbnails at the end of the video i I wouldn't go so far as to say i'm the one that started it because i'm sure i mean it's an obvious it's an obvious thing so i'm sure there's other people that had the Uh same idea but but i know i was doing it and i had conversations with youtube they were trying to figure out why so that tells me they saw something in the data like they saw that people were staying on my channel or something and they wanted to understand why and so in the early, early days, there were conversations like that that were happening, and it was, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just all trying different things, right? Wow. So how big of an impact do you think, like, marketing had to your channel? You mean going to marketing school? Yeah, just, like, going to marketing school, acquiring marketing skills. Well, it it helped me frame it, right? So it helped me understand, you know, you have to know the audience, and you have to understand what the audience is is looking for. And so I, I made kind of weird decisions early on like I decided I was going to focus on quality over quantity um with with the the Prince Rupert Strop video which is one of the earlier Smarter Everyday episodes I decided you know if I just make really really good videos then if people come to my channel and they notice that every video on the channel is really good 
then they'll want to come back and see every one. But if I, you know, at the time YouTube was trying to say, or they still do this, or like, you got to make, you know, a lot of quantity. You have to make videos every week or you need an upload schedule. And I was like, you know, I, I just can't make quality videos that fast. It just can't happen. So, um, so what I decided to do is just change what I was doing and try to make high quality videos. That way, uh, I would I would have more audience retention, and so that was the goal. And so, just things like that, you know, weird thoughts like, "Hey, you should focus on keeping the audience you have and keeping them happy," versus, "Hey, let's just try to go viral and blah blah blah." So. Yeah, I don't know. My my strategy for YouTube is a little bit different. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. um, I try to not be a character. Like a lot of people have who they are in real life, and then they have who they are on YouTube. And I kind of think that's dangerous because if if that's how you live your life, then you have this facade that you have to keep up, right? And so I I, I just remember thinking that 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 wasn't for me, and and I just wanted to be me, and um and so. That's that's been very liberating, you know, to not have to. Wow, uh-huh. I've, I've seen some other people that you know they have this persona on YouTube, and um, I don't want that. I just want to be me. Uh-huh. So, wow. Yeah, th- there's a whole, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of things that go into it in terms of you know, you know, do you, do you make your content ad friendly? Um, do you do you say bad words in your videos? That's something mm-hmm. that you have to think about. And I, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, I don't I don't usually say those kinds of things in uh-huh, real life uh-huh. so why would i do it on youtube so yeah yeah i mean you just have to think about the audience and think about what you want to do and um just i, I just try to focus on integrity mm-hmm, super high mm-hmm. integrity yeah. yeah so you talk a lot about different strategies uh, in terms of marketing and in terms of the videos themselves that you use to grow your youtube channel do you think that you could still do the same thing today as YouTube is different from before, or do you think it's easier or harder to make a living off of YouTube when you start today or around now? So there was this um, there there was this saying a while back, like, oh, well, the best time to start a YouTube channel was five years ago, <laughs> and 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 I used to think that I used to think that I was super fortunate and that I you know, I got in on the early side of it and, and I was able to, you know, I was just fortunate to be where I was in my life at the time and, you know, fortunate enough to have a laptop to 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 make videos and, you know, the education to talk about the things I do on videos. And, and all those are true. Very fortunate to have all those things. But at the same time, I, I think I think it's easier now than ever to start a successful YouTube channel. Um but but I but I say that with <laughs> it's a cautionary tale because I I meet a lot of people that want a YouTube channel and I think what would you think the number one reason a person would want a YouTube channel is what, what would you, what would that reason be to you they want to be famous they want to make money right and um I personally feel that the desire to be famous is a type of selfish ambition that will destroy destroy your soul (laughs) you know if if you if you really want yourself to be the center of the universe and you want everybody to look at you that's dangerous that's very very dangerous and it will change how your personal relationships work it will change how you view money and privilege 
it, it'll it'll change a lot about who you are as a person in a negative way usually. So I would discourage uh, anyone from making a YouTube channel if their number one reason for doing it is, oh, I want to be famous. I would encourage people to make a YouTube channel if the reason they want to make it is they want to share something lovely with the world, something that you know builds up rather than tears down. So, so I see a lot of people trying to do whatever gets the most views on YouTube, like they try to rant or they try to you know do drama and things like that. That that stuff doesn't have longevity to it. I mean that's that's interesting for one video and the algorithm will reward you for you know a flash in the pan. You'll do one you know video that's interesting, but it doesn't have staying power, right? I mean the things that the things that I think are really you know have have the long game uh, in their favor is is things like uh, education. Um, you know, you, you can, you know, how to model authentic parenting, things of that nature. Um, but but I, I do not think that fame, trauma, money, things of that nature, that's certainly not the reason to do YouTube. I mean, if you look at a lot of personalities on YouTube and you think about the person and, and what the person does, like how complex is that personality? Is it is it just a person with a camera talking to an audience, or is this a a complex uh, lady who likes sewing quilts? You know, is, is this a is this a, a farmer who really likes growing corn, and he's teaching me how he's doing that? Is this, you know, is this a a person that's learning how to speak Japanese, or a person that's teaching me Japanese? I mean, these are the types of things that have staying power. If you're just a personality interacting on camera because you're interesting. I mean, that's that's cool. But I think, uh, I don't know. I, I'm conflicted with this. I, I just, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really don't like it when I hear people say they want to start a YouTube channel because mm -hmm. they want to get famous. Yeah. I can, I don't know, I kind of attest to that from making a podcast and I started it because I wanted to help people and not because I wanted to talk to famous people. Like some people told me, you started it because you wanted to talk to famous people and I, I don't think that was the case because when I first started I was just talking to myself and I kind of worked my way up from that so when people tell me that I started the podcast talk to famous people I don't I just don't like it when I, when I hear that yeah I can understand that yeah so what is the the schedule kind of like from a YouTube perspective because it's probably not the same as a typical nine to five schedule. No, I mean, you can make it nine to five. I, I know people that have done that, but the problem with, and I, I do think it's a problem with YouTube is that sometimes you don't really get to leave the job. You know, you're constantly like I was planting corn last night real late uh, in my garden and I was thinking, Oh, well I can pull out my phone and I can put this on my Instagram story and show people that I'm planting corn. And and so you you kind of think like that and and your life can become a performance which is bad. And so and so I I've I've kind of taken some steps back away from that and and tried to be more authentic and real uh just with I don't know how I interact with my family and things of that nature. Um 
you know, actively try not to do family vlogs or anything like that. I, I, I'm not much of a vlogger. I usually pick a topic that I'm interested in, and um, I, I just make a video about it, and usually with the intent to educate. Like, I just made a video about grain bins, you know, how farmers put grain in a big bin. I mean, that's something I never thought about, but my, my farmer friend told me he was making a grain bin, and not because he was trying to get me to make a YouTube video about it, but because it's just interesting. And so the more we talked about it, the more we're like, I need to bring a camera out. We need to film this. Uh-huh. And so that's what we did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. When you first started off making videos, were you shy of in front of the camera or self-conscious about what was being portrayed out there on YouTube? I don't think I was. Um, I'm an extrovert. Uh-huh. Meaning I... I I, I never meet a stranger. You know, I always like to interact with people. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, I, I, I'm not really shy, I don't think. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. That might be bad at times. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little too comfortable around people, and maybe I invade their personal space more than I should, you know, at least mentally. But I never actually had a problem with that. I do know some people that don't like to be on camera, that uh, don't put their face on YouTube, or I know some people that they even, like, change their voice on YouTube. There's a... There's a chemist that does that. So, yeah, th there's all different types of people that approach this sort of thing mm -hmm, different ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. Were you shy when you first started doing this podcast? Yeah, I couldn't listen to my own voice. And when I was editing <laughs> audio, so I literally just, I didn't edit the audio at all. And I just uploaded what I had and then I just uploaded it. And then over time, I kind of built up that courage to start listening to my voice again when I used to listen to my voice I used to cringe all the time and I didn't like it but then now when I listen to it it's just like no big deal and I just edit things yeah I don't don't you get tired of hearing your own voice yeah you <laughs> I do too it kind of just sounds really I don't know it it's just like neutral I guess I hear it it's it's just my voice and it's like that's that you know yeah yeah, yeah. I'm the same way it, I, but I, I spend so much time editing my own voice and i'm like yeah. oh god destin why yeah, did you yeah, interrupt yeah, that yeah. person yeah <laughs> you know, I, I... yes exactly yep yep and that kind of moves us to the next question which is what are the different things that you have to do to maintain your youtube channel so you talked about editing there's also you have to actually make the videos so what are the different technical things that you have to do to maintain the youtube channel well, there's a, there's a whole part of it that is not on the internet. It's the side you don't see, and that's the business side of it. So mm -hmm. if, if you have contracts, for example, like th there's, there's multiple ways that you try to monetize a YouTube channel. One is with ads on YouTube, which is the, by far the lowest that you can receive. And then the things that like really make it where you can provide for your family are uh, ads like you know, I, Smarter Every Day is sponsored by uh, various sponsors like HelloFresh and Audible. And so you have to do contracts and all kinds of things like that for those situations. But the, the best thing is Patreon. Like, people that support what I do on Patreon, they kind of, they, they kind of create a way that you can continue to make content without having to worry about the algorithm. You know, sometimes the algorithm doesn't like your video about grain bins. Sometimes it does. And you have no way of predicting that. So how do you buy you know, groceries? I'm not implying that I'm having to make decisions about groceries. But 
like if, if you're starting out with your YouTube channel and, and you're you're serious about it and you want to make a living doing that, you have to have financial stability in order to pay your rent, in order to buy food, things of that nature. And so figuring out a business model that uh, divorces you from the whims of the algorithm is very, very smart, and you need to diversify as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to make a living doing something like that, you need to diversify. And, and that's that's the stuff that you don't see on the Internet. You know, So I have a podcast with a friend of mine named Matt. It's called No Dumb Questions. And so creating a podcast was an effort to diversify away from YouTube. This is a, something completely different, right? And so, um, you know, because the good thing about working for someone is you go to work, you work 40 hours, and then you go home and they send you a set amount of money, right? The bad thing about YouTube or working for yourself is that that 40 hours of work does not guarantee that you will make a set amount of money. You have to be, um, you have to be clever with how you set your business up and you have to, uh, you know, if you have people that work with you, you have to figure out how to pay them in a sustainable way because they do want that money for their 40 hours or whatever. And so you have to figure out how to make your business sustainable enough so that you can, other people can depend on you for, for money, for their lives. And so there's a, there's a lot more to it than you think. It, it's People think, oh, I'm just going to turn this camera on, I'm going to talk into it, and everybody's going to love me, and it's going to be interesting. And no, that's not really what happens. You, uh, you know, that's just one small component of the overall thing. Mm-hmm, exactly. I was wondering about what are some of the easiest parts of the job, but also in the same time, what are some of the hardest things about the job? So the easiest part is, for me, is filming. Um, oftentimes I'm talking to an expert, and I guess I get to ask that es- expert questions about how something works, and usually the the ideas just come to my head was while I'm sitting there talking with them. It's just a normal conversation because I'm a naturally curious person. And I want to understand how the world works. So that's easy. So it's, it's not a big deal to film like hours and hours of footage. Um, what's really hard is editing it down. And so, um, there's people that help me, uh, get like a 10 hour project whittled down to like a 30 minute project. And then a lot of times I'll do the final push and push the final edit over the top. And so editing is difficult, especially if you're on a deadline because, and the deadlines are given to you by advertisers or if you have a self-imposed schedule. So those deadlines make things difficult because a project's never really done. It can always be a little bit better. And, um, you know, crunch time comes up on you pretty quick and you got to figure out what to do. Like, for example, um, I'm flying somewhere uh, with the family in two days and I have to have essentially two videos done by that time. So we've got, we've, we've got a lot of the video on the timeline. We use Adobe Premiere. We have Uh a lot of the video on the timeline, but the stories aren't complete and they're Uh not, they're not, there's no story arc at this point. Uh It's Uh just a bunch of footage on the timeline and these are the best clips that we think. So we have to assemble it all and make a coherent story about all of that in a short amount of time with very little resources to help us just wow. with, you know a couple people talking so that's challenging yeah and i lose a lot of sleep yeah wow so 
in a sense, it's kind of like a storyboard for a movie, and you have to make sure that the story of the video flows in a nice way, and also is entertaining to the viewer at the same time. That's right, and you're adding value to the viewer's life. You asked about challenges. Here, here's another challenge. If you wanted to go on vacation from your 9-to-5 job, you schedule the vacation that's agreed to in your working contract, and then you go on vacation, and you just go. If you do the YouTube thing, um, you still need to have some level of video going out there at whatever schedule that you upload at, whether it be once a month or once a week or you know some people do once a day. If you wanted to keep uploading footage like crazy, then how do you do that? That means you have to work ahead and get videos ready to go before you take a break. So that's pretty hard. Um, I'm not very good at that. So that's why I go on the like two videos per month schedule. Wow. I'm going on vacation for the next two weeks and I had to make extra episodes that would auto upload while I'm gone. So I can kind of feel really? how. Yeah. I could kind of feel how I upload on a once a week schedule. So I had to like schedule extra interviews and I had to do extra editing for those two weeks that I'm gone. So I can kind of relate to how that feels. Congratulations, by the way, for, for taking it so serious. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a hard thing to do. So it was that's pretty good, hard. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to like whittle the interview down because I know like, you're super busy, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But these are like the essential questions I usually ask, which are, what is your advice to a teenager that wants to pursue your job field? My advice would be, do not, under any circumstances, try to become a YouTuber right out of the gate. What I recommend you do is you learn a life skill like learn how to be, in my case, an engineer, learn how to be a nurse, learn how to be something like the, these things. Go learn an actual life skill, make real authentic relationships with real humans in the real world before you try to turn a camera to yourself and broadcast yourself to the internet. And the reason I say that is because once you become a YouTuber, sometimes it becomes, you know, I've, I've seen this happen to other people. I'm very fortunate in that I was a I was pretty far into adulthood before the YouTube thing happened. But if you don't have a, a an opportunity to grow up and learn who you are in real life before you become a YouTuber, you might not ever get that opportunity to know who you are because quickly the you know the um the appeal of being important on the internet could change the way your mind works and how you think and even how you interact with your friends. Like, it's very important to surround yourself in your life with people who can tell you the bad things in your life. They can tell you if you were rude to someone, or they can tell you if, you know, you're you're not behaving correctly. And if you instantly become a YouTuber and become famous, if you know you're the one in a million person that actually does make it big or whatever on YouTube, then what's going to happen is you're going to have these people that all say really nice things about you. And the the dangerous thing is that at some point, you could be tempted to start to believe them. And if everyone is saying nice things about you and no one's telling you the truth and telling you the bad things that are happening in your life, then that's 
uh, that's a recipe for destruction. And, and so my advice to a teenager who wants to be a YouTuber would be don't. Become an adult first. Learn who you are. Learn life skills. And, and set your life up on a path such that if the internet went down tomorrow and YouTube went away, you would still be a human. You wouldn't tie the definition of who you are to some online persona. And I mean that very, very strongly. Like, if, if YouTube went away tomorrow, we'd be fine. You know, I, I'd, I'd be a dad with four children who raises chickens with his wife. And I would do engineering um, for someone, you know, for a job. I might even start an engineering firm, right? But if I had started YouTube right out of the gate, and didn't go to school and learn these life skills and get a formal education and and YouTube were to go away for whatever reason, you know, I mean, there's YouTube is a business. It's not going to last forever. If if something like this happened and I didn't have all these life skills to fall back on, I'd be in a bad spot. And a lot of the people that are closest to me and that I love and love me the most, I mean, I would probably have damaged those relationships along the way. So my advice would be become an adult and learn who you are before you try to get famous on the internet. One thing that's interesting about YouTube is that uh, a lot of people will watch your videos, and then at some point, less people might watch your videos. And because you're used to getting so many views, um, you might become discouraged, and you might start lashing out at like the YouTube algorithm or whatever. And so what what people are seeing right now is there's this life cycle for YouTubers where, you know, somebody will get popular really fast and they'll proceed as if that's going to happen forever. And then it might not necessarily happen forever. At some point, the public might not be interested in your videos anymore or the algorithm might not, you know, serve your videos up to people anymore. So it's important to think about the longevity of your plans because sometimes... Um, I want to be a YouTuber sounds interesting and neat when you think about 2 million subscribers or whatever it is, but you need to be thinking about the long game because it's completely possible that um, you know your YouTube channel doesn't survive because the topic or you know the personality or whatever just doesn't have that longevity factor that mm -hmm. is required to have a lifelong business. Wow. I have a couple more questions. So for... Number one, when you first made your videos, would you ever in your life expect to be interviewing the president of the United States? No, <laughs> no, that was that was a real treat. No, I, I uh -huh. did not expect that to happen at all. And number two is, can you give any little hint about what's happening with Mr. Beast and you? Oh, Mr. Beast? Yeah. Oh, he's a... He's a nice guy. No, um, Mr. Beast is working on um, a way to plant a bunch of trees, and uh -huh. we're com we're coming up with ways to do that. Uh, he's working very closely with Mark Rober on it, and uh, I'm just having like secondary conversations with Mark. So Mr. Beast is a really nice guy. Um, I met him. He's he's learning the YouTube algorithm in ways that other people aren't, and he's he's playing the game really well right now. And this is my last question for you is, um, what does the future look like for you? Like, what do you want to do or what do you want to continue doing? My goal is to use Smarter Every Day as a way to help people as much as possible. 
and um, all kinds of people, people that uh, historically have not been treated well, people that, you know, have, you know, love learning, people that, you know, all these different things. So mm-hmm. I, I want to use Smarter Every Day as a force for good and um, equality for all. Wow. Thank you, Dustin, for doing this interview. I really appreciate you spending your time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot about the challenges, but also the amazing parts about becoming a YouTuber. And we learned some things about some behind the scenes work about what we don't see in front of the screen, like the business part of it. And I really appreciate it. Just taking the time out of your day to talk to me and thank you Dustin. i really appreciate it thanks Thielen. i appreciate it man this is a really cool program that you're doing and i think it's i think it's great and that was the episode with Dustin sandlin from smarter every day again i can't say this enough thank you so much to Dustin for doing this episode I really, 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 really appreciate it. And I hope that you, the listener, learned something today. I definitely learned a lot about what it's like becoming a YouTuber, what it's like actually being a YouTuber in terms of videos and editing, and what the behind the scenes stuff is like in terms of business and other things like that. If you're new to listening to this podcast, uh, I guess I can give a little summary. It's basically me interviewing people with different jobs and I expose them to different teenagers because I know that out there in the world today, it's really hard to know about different jobs. So I try to interview people and try to expose them to different people so that we all can learn about what are the different careers out there. If you want to support me, I guess all you can do is follow me on instagram at major jobs podcast and twitter at major jobs pod and you can share the podcast with other people because i would really appreciate that other than that i just want to say thank you so much for listening and i hope to see you in the next episode Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.